0: turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. Today we have Dr. Tom Redon. He is the owner of City Center Dental Group in Denver, Colorado, and is the co-founder of Dynamic Dental Ascension, a coaching and mentoring program for dentists who have trouble growing to the next level. Tom, welcome to the show.
1: Ross, thank you very much for inviting me on, and I really appreciate this opportunity to uh, explore this awesome profession of dentistry with you.
0: Well, for those of you who are listening and not watching, you'll see that Tom is wearing a very ugly hat. He (laughs) has the University of Georgia Bulldog hat on, and as a guy who grew up in Atlanta, I've been surrounded by Bulldogs my entire life. Now, Tom lives in Denver, but he shipped his daughter off to UGA, And while it's a good time to be a UGA fan with back-to-back football national titles, we'll just leave it there and say Tom should have shown discretion before coming on the show. That aside, Tom, tell us your story. You own a dental practice and a coaching group. You live in Denver, and you're not from Denver. What's going on?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it would seem rather nomadic in nature, but uh, I've always been, uh, you know, I've got family ties to Colorado and, my entire life, uh, having lived elsewhere besides here, since up until the late nineties, uh, grew up <clears throat> basically in Ohio. So I went to college in Ohio at Miami university, and then subsequently ad- attended dental school at Northwestern University in Chicago, went back to Ohio for a brief stint for a practice residency at Ohio state university, and then back to Chicago for private practice. And then all ultimately, my wife and I decided enough, enough, enough is enough, and we packed up and moved to Denver in the late '90s, and we've been here ever since.
0: And You said basically, if we're going to deal with freezing cold and snow, at least let's at least have mountains we can ski on. Is that what you? That's
1: basically- right. That's right. Having been put on skis at age three, and that was sort of a prerequisite in my household. Um, you know, growing up, I was like, well, what better place than you know, Colorado for sure.
0: Well, you've got a couple of unique things to talk about here. So let's talk about your practice and how you've grown it because you kind of take a little bit different approach than some people. Um, And then we'll we'll come to your coaching thing here in a minute. But so talk about how City Center Dental came to be, how you've grown it, what you've done.
1: Okay. Uh, That's a great question. I've always been an acquisitions person. I have a background in economics, uh, from undergrad days and actually had a brief stint at the Kellogg, uh, School of Management while I was in uh, dental school at Northwestern and studied, uh, advanced level accounting and management, and then had to do a research project that involved a lot to do with managed care and insurance. And so I think I got a little brainwashed, uh, back then and that that was the only way to, to operate. And so the early part of my career was heavily involved in insurance dependency and, uh, knee deep in in sort of managing and mastering the world of PPOs. And so I've always gravitated to existing businesses where that was in play. And when we moved to Colorado, I actually worked for a large DSO at the time and got my fill of that and subsequently discovered this private practice opportunity that was actually a large group that had been in existence for the better part of 50 years 50 years at that point in time uh, that had serviced a large manufacturing base here in Denver. And so I bought in to that practice, to make a long story short, at one-fourth ownership. And then the other three uh, shareholders in that group were considerably older than me. And gradually over time, as they retired, I just absorbed their patient base into the overall operation. And so large group practice, uh, pretty heavily insurance dependent and figuring out where to go was, was kind of a behemoth, but it was like, well, why not stack on more? And so we actually folded in an outside practice, uh, you know, set of charts into that operation and grew it even more. And suddenly I had this you know behemoth of a you know 13 treatment room facility to to manage and you can't do that alone so i've always you know been um sort of in the uh, associate uh, realm as well and so i've probably gone through seven or eight maybe even double digit associates over the years uh as well and so i've learned a lot from that experience um you know and then here we are, you know, fast forward 20 some years later since the acquisition of that operation. And I've been able to maintain uh, a couple uh, regular associates, and one has actually ascended into partnership as well. So I, you know, go ahead. Sorry.
0: You talked to them, um, you know, a lot of people, when they want to grow, they focus on marketing. Now, Uh, You're in a city or a a city area, you know, a metro area rather. So this may not be as applicable to someone if they were in a rural area, but maybe marketing wouldn't either. I don't know. But you talked about buying other uh, basically in the financial services world. They call it buying a book of business. And you're basically calling it in your world. It's buying a bunch of charts. So Mm -hmm. um, talk about. Because I've never heard people using that as a growth model. It's always let's grow marketing. Let's uh, so let's push marketing. Talk about buying charts versus
1: marketing and the pros and cons of each. Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, marketing, I think in this day and age has taken on a whole new element and layer of complexity to it, which, of course, is primarily fueled by the digital uh, platforms that we all eat, live and sleep by. And so I think that's a separate entity in and of itself. It's something we do on a regular basis. However, that chart acquisition I did about oh, probably a dozen years ago now easily netted oh gosh, probably 600 to 650 active patients, even after attrition. This was a an older practice that was a couple miles away from our existing location. And that particular individual was just looking to retire and really had nowhere to go with the sale of the operation. The, the equipment was not worth acquiring. Uh, and so we were able to Opt out on the equipment sale or equipment acquisition okay. and simply just paid him a ch- per chart fee. Uh, it was probably $150 or, or so at the time uh, to acquire those uh, individuals. And so what happened is we ran an open house and invited the retiring doc to come be a part of that and introduce his patient population to our bright, brand, beautiful uh, state-of-the-art facility. And in so doing, uh, we were able to retain probably 80% of his patient base, like I previously mentioned. So that was an instant Influx of people that did require a fair amount of upfront cost or at least you know acquisition cost to to procure, however that group basically turned into a um, an infusion of activity into the practice filled the hygiene schedule as well as in turn delivered operative uh, care to us and to this day, I would still argue that that was probably the quickest ROI, um, for, for what it required. Because when you look at acquisition costs today, in terms of marketing spend and what basically you might have to, you know, invest to go through, um, you know, advertising and, uh, pay-per-click, uh, formats, you're going to spend a decent sum of money on a monthly basis to hopefully get eyes on your business to then hopefully maybe turn into potential leads and ultimately butts and seats. Whereas I think we skipped those interim steps by just paying for those charts and the rights to those charts and inviting those people in who already have that trust piece uh, figured out with their retiring doc and have him put the blessing on it and Next thing you know, we had an infusion of growth.
0: Do you think it was cheaper per patient on buying charts versus what it would cost in marketing or through digital spend?
1: You know, it, it could very well be because, like I said, those patients were already primed to, to be active in a practice and weren't um, someone else shopping.
0: It's a There's much a quicker activity. ROI. Quicker yeah. acquisition because you have to drip on those people to get them to come, and you got six fifty today versus you mm-hmm. might six fifty over two or three years doing it the other way.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. How many chart uh, uh, blocks of charts
1: have you bought from old practices in, the, in your career? Uh, that's another decent question. Like I said, when I when I joined that group initially, I was a one fourth buy, and I took over one particular partner's. Uh, book of business back then and slowly over time was able to fold in the other retiring docs, uh, books of business, even though that was under one roof, it was sort of an eat what you kill or a solo group, uh, operation. And so, um, we kept things pretty well delineated out in a profit center format and um so it was kind of like buying small solo group solo doc practices and folding them into the group as i go so it's probably been a total of at least those four um and then like i said a number of you about three or four years ago i did also acquire a second location on the other side of town um It's about 25, 30 miles away from our flagship location. That's a separate book of business, but is sort of an additional acquisition.
0: That's fantastic. So talk a little bit about your coaching program, Dynamic Dental Ascension. How did it start? What what do you guys do? What's it all about?
1: Yeah. Well, it's the, the the mastermind of my uh, coaching partner Chris Green and myself. We are local Denver uh, residents as well as practicing dentists. The cool thing is, is we've blended my acquisition style with his startup style and offer a strategic coaching and mentoring program to pretty much younger dental practice owners we're really targeting docs that are probably in year one or two of practice ownership all the way up to perhaps year 10 and in that zone of time you come across a lot of challenges that really probably in many cases may have been unforeseen and so what we've tried to do is essentially set up a open forum it's a group format we meet weekly on a Zoom call that we record, and they have access to. And we present content to them each week, usually a sort of a lesson plan format where there there may be a specific topic. It might be marketing, or it might be associate uh, incentives, or it might be HR related, or you know the likes, and maybe an insurance. Discussion And we spend about an hour or 90 minutes in discussion. And then we open it up for a hot seat format afterward that each uh, participant has the opportunity to either share specific experiences within that context of a topic. Or maybe there's something burning in their weekly routine that they need to solve then and there. On top of that, we also offer these guys and gals a one on one coaching call of uh, format with Chris and I on a weekly basis that they have access to. And so our goal is, is to try to help these folks full time. And like I like to say, always sort of the mantra of this coaching program is that I'm trying to help full time for what i deem as previous versions of myself. And that is, Hey, I've been down this path, uh, along this paradigm that you're on and I know what you're going through for the most part, there's going to be some things that we may come across that are new and Unique, uh, however, there's a good chance that in my my little recipe book uh, and we've got some opportunities. And what I like about being paired up with a startup individual is because is there's some nuances and uniqueness associated with taking something from zero to whatever level we're we're at or trying to get to versus folding in an existing operation where you've acquired maybe a going concern and a nice cash flow. However, there's a lot of baggage that's associated with, you know, that that um acquisition piece that you definitely don't have when you start at ground zero with a startup. So, and we've hit both. We've got both types in our group, which has been pretty cool.
0: Yeah. So you're like, Hey guys, don't reinvent the wheel. Uh, Use our life experience, our wisdom, and we'll help you navigate these challenges that you are destined to face. But instead of making the mistakes we made, let's show, we'll show you how to navigate it and not screw up
1: basically. That would be a great summary. And uh, and unfortunately, there's really very little practice management and business training that is afforded in the dental school education process. There's simply not enough time. Very little. truthful.
0: Very little might be a little bit of a um, misleading statement. My understanding is there's literally none.
1: Yes, I believe there are some programs today that are a little bit more proactive than than in the past and you know I I went into dental school probably underserved in the science and and the specific nuances of of biology and chemistry and so forth because I studied economics in undergrad. However, you know, even with my business background that I had coming in, I still felt underprepared for what lies ahead in practice ownership. And there was very little mentoring, uh, at the time, uh, in the, within the profession between practice owners and, or folks that have been, lived in the trenches and, and understand intimately what it takes to run a practice. So, uh, we're trying to kind of bridge that gap and I think it's gotten a lot better in today's day and age than ever before there's a lot more collaborative effort and in, in play to bring in the the business side of dentistry and meld it together with the human side of it or the trust and relationship side of it and so and of course the science side of it you've got to have the hand skills to be able to do the 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 trade on a daily basis
0: well, the challenge is like physicians are all in a hospital together, or they're all in a surgery center together, or they're all in some sort of facility together so they can brainstorm with each other. Uh, dentists typically are on islands by themselves. And so unless there is some sort of group that creates some camaraderie, it's very challenging mm-hmm. to
1: learn these things without doing it yourself. Very true. And you know there is a pretty big push in our industry toward consolidation you know the DSO world has come into play and i think for 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 good for the for the industry we have brought on some tremendous growth in the world of business and practice management, thanks in large part to these types of entities coming in and streamlining the, uh, the backstage elements of, of our profession. And I'm internally grateful for that influx. Uh, however, you're right. It's still very much a cottage industry and there's a lot of individuals still in private practice on their own, on their own Island and, you know, foraging their own path every day. So, the mission of our organization was to try to bring some of that fellowship into the fold and into the limelight and help, um, like I, like you said, bring together these individuals into a, a, an arena where they can share best practices and better each other in the process.
0: Can you give me some
1: examples of some success stories from your group and what you guys have been able to achieve? Oh, absolutely. You know, in fact, I just got a note, you know, this morning from one of our colleagues, you know, Thanking me. It's been a year since we started our operation and he was just eternally grateful for the growth and ascension that he's had in his operation. He's grown his, uh, his revenue by at least, you know, double digits as a, an acquisitions guy. So he, he is now in the strong hunt for a new location for this operation. He's had some HR challenges in the past and has successfully navigated through the turnover of almost the entire team inside of 12 months of of his uh, payroll. And yet he hasn't missed a beat on the, uh, on the revenue side as a result, which we all know is oftentimes impossible to do because this is a team game. So if you don't have a well-oiled team uh, who's aligned with your vision and core values, you might slip, you know, financially quite a bit. That's one example. Uh, I've got another example of a, of a, um, of a, uh, practice owner, not here in the same state as, uh, of Colorado, but out of state whom I just recently visited and she has really, um, come to that realization finally that as, as many practice owners are, they're kind of in their own way. And so her growth has already been, you know, she's, she's gone from, well, let's see, she was hovering around 1.5 million net. I've helped them navigate into a more insurance independent uh, format of of their operation, and they're already going to eclipse two million in revenue this year, base if they stay on track to where they're at. And that's having moved into a bigger facility, so they've taken on a bigger debt you know, service and obligation to build out a brand new facility. And she's doing this with the same team, same hours. Um, And so they've already witnessed that level of growth.
0: What are the biggest challenges you see, Dennis, in the one to 10 year mark? I'm sure there's different challenges at different time points
1: along that along that time frame. What are the biggest challenges you see? Boy, it, it can vary quite a bit. A lot of it, I think, has to do with hr human relations and really managing that level of uh complexity that that it is by nature and realizing that they need to have systems in place to help them facilitate that because the majority of them are still owner operators so they have to be clinical so being able to effectively wear the clinical hat as well as the as the ceo hat and doing the non clinical role is a is a tough tug of war that many don't uh realize they're getting into until they're well into it. And so what will happen is, is that their time management becomes very, very uh, difficult. They're very focused on being clinical because that, you know, butters the bread. It, It makes the money. But so they don't realize that they've got to carve out time for their CEO work to work on the business. They're too busy basically working in the business. And so what you have to get them to understand is that they've got to improve their of course, time management and so efficiency. How can we be clinical and be super duper productive, and at the same time allow enough time to open up the laptop and really work on the practice and get those systems honed in that they can in turn then effectively delegate to uh, someone else on the team to to manage. What you real don't realize sometimes is that your level of 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 perfectionism that you're ingrained in with is sometimes the rate limiting step and you have to be okay with sort of that 80 20 rule or Pareto's principle that what I think I can do at hundred percent, I have to be okay with at this point being 80% accomplished. And then we'll work together on closing that gap and getting that 20% f- finished out with some better systems and more efficient use of our time.
0: So I've talked about this a lot on this podcast, and I'd like to hear your perspective on it. In my in my opinion, from what I've seen, there's two opposite ends of a spectrum in dentistry, of practice owners rather. You have on one side, what I call a lifestyle practice. In mm-hmm. essence, they, uh, someone owns a job. It's a very, very good job, but they own a job. And their income is, it, they have a ceiling of their income of some amount, um, and then you have a business owner on the opposite end on the opposite end of the spectrum, a business owner who happens to be a dentist, and their income is usually dramatically higher than the lifestyle person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they may not be in the chair that much, they may not work that much, but they're managing the business. You know, I've got I know people who work two days a week and they do incredibly well financially. Uh, and I know people who have like five associates and they do insanely well financially. And, and both of these guys are running businesses versus someone who has a lifestyle practice. Now there's nothing wrong with a lifestyle practice. It's whatever somebody wants, but do you, when you have people come to your group, do you see that? Like, Hey, they're coming to the group because they're not a business owner. They might be in on, they might, They may not want a lifestyle practice, but they have a lifestyle practice mentality or they have lifestyle practice habits and they're struggling making the transition to business owner.
1: Oh, big time. Uh, You know, I speak for myself. Even first and foremost, and that is I've gone through all of those iterations along the way. Um, You know, you have to stop and realize, okay, why did I get in this profession in the first place? You know, and if you're transactional in nature, you're going to probably be better served by being that business guy and really just getting yourself removed from clinical care as much as you can and just build something that services you, you know, your bottom line and hope and probably within that umbrella, you have practitioners and a team who is probably a little bit more relational or perhaps lifestyle in nature to help run the business. Because I truly believe at the end of the day, you have to stop and realize just how relational oral healthcare is. It's a very personal experience and perhaps one of the most quote-unquote, intimate uh, services provided in healthcare where someone is wide awake for it the whole time. And when you're delivering that care, you're within their private space, basically, in their face and in their mouth. So it's a stressful experience for most people. And in some cases, they might be quite embarrassed as a patient because they've either neglect or some type of um, hurdle that they've never really fully overcome to to get themselves into a regular schedule of of habit habitual care so you know bridging that gap is a real art form and i kind of live in both camps i'm i'm a i'm a practice owner i own Co-own two, you know, well-run dental practices here in the metro area, and but I still get caught in the weeds at times of loving and enjoying the the day-to-day engagement with patients and that relational piece that perhaps becomes a little bit more of that lifestyle, uh, you know, aura. And so finding finding that happy medium for me has been really tough. But you're right; you're going to see a pretty big gap between the relational person and and the um transactional or, or financial doc. And yes, so, we have the both, both we have them all in our in our organization, in our coaching program. If you ahead.
0: find yourself, if you look in the mirror and you find yourself of more of a lifestyle practice and you want to grow a business and you know you need to make a transition, what's the first step you would recommend somebody recommend to somebody? Sure.
1: Oh I think uh what you have to realize first and foremost is that there's a brand that that practice has created for itself, whether you've forced it or not, and so there's a there's something Valuable that that uh, or some type of element that 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 practice has that it's bringing to the marketplace. Identifying what that is could be the type of care that it provides. It could also be the overall patient experience that that practice delivers. Maybe it's a very boutique practice, or it could be even a you know more of a holistic approach to healthcare. Whatever that may be, that's created this healthy dental practice. Okay, is it being marketed properly? Is it something that you could grow enough in, in the base and the demand for that you could escape the chair by and replace yourself with someone? of equal or greater capability such that you've now replicated it and expanded it. And then you freed yourself up to be more of that CEO type. And then is it repeatable? And then how, how, how many times over can you repeat that, um, you know, that model and, and still maintain a, profitable business. It's kind of a high fixed cost business, no matter how you look at it, dentistry is. And so there's a, there's a threshold that you have to sort of know you where you're at, what's your break even each month. And so the profitability really doesn't start to come until you've eclipsed that break even point. And it, of course, is going to vary from one practice to the next, depending on on the style of an approach that they have to oral healthcare. So, I think you have to identify those factors first, and then you have to identify within yourself: like, do you have the propensity to be a good leader and, be, and lead by example? And if if so, great. If not, you need some some sharpening of that saw. That's when you go back to school on yourself.
0: That's good wisdom right there. Um, as we wind down here, how can someone learn more about the Dynamic
1: Dental Ascension Program? First of all, I'm a very approachable individual, so I'll just say you can certainly email me or, or text me if you have well, direct inquiries, and I'll be happy to share that contact info. Uh, uh, now, I
0: know it's relatively new. Is there a website or not?
1: Yes, that's where I was getting to. Sorry. Uh, our website is www.dynamicdentalascension.com. It's a mouthful.
0: Yeah. And but so that, tell people, uh, like if they want to reach out to you directly. What, what's the email and what's the phone number?
1: And say it twice. The, yeah. The email address is dr.tcread at gmail.com. That's dr.tcread at gmail.com. Or I can be reached by a uh, cell phone at th- area code 303-906-4788. That's 303-906-4788. I'm on,
0: that I'm on Instagram. Yep. And
1: you, once you type it in, it's pretty easy to find. And you will you can also out, um, reach us directly on there and set up a strategic coaching call or an inquiry call at that point.
0: That's great. Any last tidbits or advice you would you would want to give?
1: Yeah. You know, I'd just like to tell everybody you're going to go through ups and downs. And, you know, this is a marathon of sprints. If you really want to know my honest opinion, I've uh, been at it almost 20, well, it's been 28 years of private practice and I feel more energized today than ever before. Cause I think the, profession keeps evolving and it's evolving at a clip that is unprecedented than ever before. And it's awesome because we're bringing in technology and all these amazing uh, upgrades to a age old process. It's still a, it's still a business that's predicated on trust. And that's because these patients are basically coming to you mostly out of word of mouth referral when you boil it down at the end of the day. And so you have to understand that you're in the business of trust more than you are the business of drill, fill, and bill. And if you get that concept down, I think the rest gets a lot easier from there. Got to have fun, too.
0: That's great. Well, Dr. Tom Reed, I appreciate you coming on. This has been gotcha.
1: a, quite quite a uh, educational conversation. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little insight with your audience. You've been
0: listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Ross Brandon is a registered representative, Coastal Equities, Inc., and Investment Advisory Representative, Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc. Investment advisory services are offered through Coastal Investment Advisors, Inc., and securities are offered through Coastal Equities, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC, 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.